Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Check the Kick podcast brought to you by SureDog.com. Today, I have a special guest on, a friend of mine, Greg. Hey, Greg, how's it going? Happy to have you here, man. Hey, Devin. Thanks for having me. Uh, what a card we watched last night. Totally was. Um, I know we're trying to be formal, not like we haven't been talking for about an hour already, um, but that is all good. Crazy fights this past weekend. Um, a bunch of young fighters really just showing up and showing out. Um, and we'll just hop right into it. UFC ABC5 in Jacksonville, Florida, at the in Duval County. Um, in case you didn't hear John Anik say it about 17 times on the broadcast, again, this was in Duval County, Florida. Um, Toporia beats Josh Emmett in pretty much a drubbing. Um, my scorecard was 50-44 for Toporia. I gave round four a 10-8 for him. Um, he looked great, man. Um, Emmett was so beat up by the end of this, too. I, I was making some jokes in the shirt dog slack, like, hey, check his gloves for a cheese grater because he looked like he, he was just a bloody mess. Um, what did you think of the fight? How did the 26-year-old look to you? He's 26, bro. 26. Super polished, was extremely patient. I thought um, when the fight started, he started uh, as if it was a five-rounder. I think we talked earlier. Had he had a five-round fight before? He has not had any five-round fights in the UFC. All of his fights up through the UFC were all first-round finishes. Previous bout before entering the UFC was uh, him against Yusuf Salal. Crazy fact, um, I read this actually earlier today. Someone tweeted it. He was going to make his debut back in 2018 on a short notice fight against, um, gosh, why is his name escaping me? Petra Yan, um, which at uh, down at Bantamweight. What? Yeah. He, and he fought short notice his debut. I'm at the UFC found this guy as a short notice fighter. Weird. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, moving on through use of law, he had, um, Second round finish over Bryce Mitchell prior to this fight. Um, one prior to that was his drubbing against Ryan Hall. That was a really calculated performance. He also knocked out Damon Jackson. He's been on a streak, um, but man, leveled up big time against Josh Emmett. Uh, in this fight, like you said, slow, calculated, made his reads through the first round. Um, what stood out most to me was his number one just confidence and, and kind of bravery in the pocket um he was super brave super competent and confident in the pocket with emmett and um his hand speed very tight shots like he got his jab going too, like right in like midway through the third round and the fourth round once he started getting his jab going like he was just snapping his head back like a pez dispenser poor josh emmett got beat up really bad in this fight um, Topuria's counter punching in this was great. His fainting was great. He was drawing counters out of Josh Emmett as the fight went on was a read that he made later. Um, Josh Emmett was so heavy on that front, like his leg kicks too, man. Like, right. what did you think about Josh Emmett? Tell me what you think about Josh Emmett here. I think he came out like it was a three round fight and I think he wanted to hurt Taporia right away, make a statement, let him feel that power. And Taporia was just super patient with him. Yeah. And, um, but I mean, Emmett kept, <laughs> kept that pace up for five rounds. The guy's a warrior. Everybody likes watching him fight. He definitely leaves it all in there. 
did you think um, after the fourth round that he was going to, that they were let him come back out? I mean, that fourth round, that thing almost ended and he was in bad shape. Look, the New York State Athletic Commission might have handled this a little bit differently, but we have to remember that they were in Duval County in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, That's in Florida, right? Duval Florida, County? Yeah. Okay. Duval County. It's in Jacksonville. Okay. Um, it's uh, what we saw from the the um, Justin Taffa fight where, like, he had one of the worst <laughs> eye pokes and, like, the, like, one of the worst eye pokes that I can really remember. It was, like, really bad. And the Athletic Commission – Big Dan is in between in that fight, and the doctor's like, do you think he can go? And I hear Big Dan audibly say, you're the doctor. You make the call. So after seeing that, I wasn't surprised that they let this fight go on. Very um, fair. Very fair, Devin. <laughs> Dude, I'll get my one curse word in, but Josh Emmett is a motherfucker. Like, yeah. he – dude, in between those rounds, he had every reason to not want to fight anymore. And after the doctors left the cage and it was him Toporia, and Mark Goddard in the cage, he's the only one that's putting his hands up, calling on the crowd. He right. loved that moment. He was high on that moment. He knew he was down on the cards. And for the first half of the fifth round, he came out and went for it. He came out throwing hard everything. He put it all in. He, and I think he hit Toporia. Yeah. yeah. In he, one of those shots, he got him. He got him pretty good. I think. Yeah. And in that fit in the beginning of the fifth. He's 38, dude. This is two weeks in a row where we had dudes 38 and older, him and him and Cannoneer show five round cardio, super toughness. Um, obviously, Jared Cannoneer won his fight. Uh, Josh Emmett kind of badly lost it. But either way, like, you know, these are guys, especially him being at 145. These are guys that these are guys that, you know, show that, hey, at 38, we can still do this in other weight classes that are not heavyweight. Um Josh Emmett is definitely going to problem. They were taking his gloves off at the end and, and even DC was like kind of nudging him. Like, what are you going to do next? And he's like, I don't know. I'm going to go back and, you know, talk to my team. He let him curse on the mic. DC let Josh Emmett curse yeah. on the mic. He didn't let David Onama curse on the mic. Earlier. Twice. <laughs> um, but he let, he let Josh Emmett say whatever he yeah. wanted in that moment. Josh Emmett deserved to say whatever he wanted in that moment, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, his ear was like a mess, dude. His eye was a mess. He, his leg was a mess. Everything. Um, I love the calculated game that Tolpuria played. Um, kind of just like being able to being able to make his reads, let Josh Emmett overswing, make his reads in the beginning. And again, just his willingness to stay in the pocket and slip shots from Emmett and fire back counters. Um, there was one transition um, that he made, right? And I, it was in the, it was in the freaking fourth round. He hurts him, gets on top of him. And this, this like wrestling transition that he did, what I saw him do, I was like, man, this guy, like not only is he this high level of a striker, but we all forget that he can also grapple and wrestle um, the ground and pound that he showed in this fight, even the control from Toporia in the fifth round after knowing like, Hey, I got this in the bag. I still, people scored the fifth round for Emmett. I saw some people do that. I still scored the fifth round for Toporia because he landed the ground and pound. He still got the takedowns. Like. Did something with him. And. And I mean, what, sure was that, was that scramble? What you're um, referring to yeah, when there was, was a few like, rolls and. Just the transition and his yeah. like, 
he also showed like not just technical abilities, but just like his athleticism. Agreed. Do you think he's one of the best athletes at 145? He's got to be. Like who? Hands down. Like who is just as fast and just as strong and explosive as him down there? Right. I mean, the guy has got it all pretty much. Well, Volk, here's the thing. I mean, Volk is a bad dude. I mean, he's... He's a true technician. Where's he? Yeah, and he... He can get gritty too, and he can. Yeah. He can. His ground and pound is great. His uh, his control is great. I um, looping back to Josh Emmett, I am kind of curious to see what he does from here. Co-main event against Yair Rodriguez, lost that fight, got finished. This it's fight, yep. you know, nearly got finished, and main event. So he's even though he's losing these fights, he's kind of almost still getting these good opportunities. Um, I'm curious to see what the UFC does. Um, the tough that. thing about it is that um, that Yair fight, you have to look at as kind of his shot at a title, right? And that was definitely a step back. And now this is another step back. Yeah. And how long does he have um, to get back in the picture for a title fight? That unfortunately might've been his shot at this age. And um, he might be too down, the, too far down the list to to get back into it. Now, who knows? Maybe he takes, recovers from this fight, gets another fight, works his way back. But at 38, I I know what you're thinking. Yeah, it's it's really tough when he's you know, and he is good. Like he was ranked number five in the UFC rankings. Um, it's. You know, it sucks, sucks for him because now he's trending in the way of, like, now he's going to be stuck fighting, like, Movsar Abdullah if he has to fight again, and that's just tough. Um, he, for Toporia, um, he's 26. I know we said that. In his previous fights, he's he really went for it against dudes, and that was something that I, you know, being a killer in MMA does make a difference. Like just being a freaking hammer, um, but he could also be the nail. But he sh- he's been overzealous. He's been overzealous and been caught in other fights. And Topuria actually sh- like turned a new leaf with his MMA game, where he showed like, hey, I can make reads, I can adjust, I can do things. His jab was not firing the way it was firing. Like the first round, he kind of, I wouldn't say he took it off, but he made his reads and he, you know, he definitely didn't throw as much volume as Emmett did through the first, but he started making his reads. Second round, he came out and just kind of boxed him up, hurt him a bunch of times. Um, And he was like, then he started landing the leg kick. Once he took out the leg, he saw that Josh Emmett became more stationary. Then he started landing the jab. And then he was like, hey, I'm going to stay in the pocket with him. People, Three punch um, combos. Throwing like multiple punch combinations. Yeah. And he, <clears throat> the way he kind of like, he built this fight, like he built his way through this fight. It was kind of like, you know, a stack of dominoes that fell, but every time something fell, something else got added on. And I was just really excited to see him, you know, change things up. People were saying like, wow, you know, Josh Emmett is having more success and landing on him more as the fight went on, which he was. But I think that was also, you know, you could also count that as Toporia taking more risk. Like 
Great point. Like the more risks Soporia takes, the more success Emmett has, but that's what he had to do to have all that success. So him also showing that like wrinkle in his game where he's not going to be deterred by a guy like Josh Emmett. If you're not scared to stay in the pocket with Josh Emmett at 145, you know, I'm sure you'll agree to this, but like you're not going to be scared of being in the pocket with anyone else. Right. And, and so like and, and wasn't Emmett's corner asking him to stay in the pocket and make it like I, I feel like um during those breaks the corner were was telling Emmett to you know stay in there and, and throw hard and really the, uh I don't know if I love what his corner did for him in this fight. Um they were telling him throw your overhand right over Topuria's lazy jab because he's throwing his lazy jab. But I think that was that lazy jab, like them telling him that was his Topuria's lazy jab was to bait the overhand to draw to draw the yeah to, to draw, draw the overhand right like yeah his coaches were also fighting on the face <laughs> yeah. like they were also his corner was also falling for Topuria's right. game you know right. the second he started overswinging and Josh Emma overswings on everything the second he started overswinging that was giving Topuria all of his counters and he wasn't like. He was landing some slip counters, but a lot of his counters were were counters with combinations behind them. A lot um, of combinations, yeah. I also love the way his speed and his vision, where he he would stay in the pocket, and then the next exchange he would faint, 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 draw draw something out of Emmett, hit him with a one punch counter, and instead of staying in the pocket and shoulder rolling, he would just leap back, leap out of the pocket, re-enter, get back in range bait something else out of Emmett, hit him with a four-punch combination, maybe roll one, try to sting him one more time, and then slip out. Like, his boxing game looked great here. It was not like a... He was really breaking up the rhythm in his striking, um, which I thought was just kind of freaking awesome. Nothing was the same. Nothing was repeated. You know, some exchanges, he would stay in there a little bit longer. Sometimes he would just get out of the pocket. And when you're mixing your ranges up like that, that's also going to really kind of just continue to shuffle your your opponent's deck um was he hurt was was Taporia ever hurt in this fight i know we got stung and had to like take the back foot a little bit in the fifth round he kind of got stung a little bit but early early in the fifth yeah early in the fifth but i, not, I don't remember i mean dude I, not nearly as bad as emmett was <laughs> when you look at their faces after the fight i mean it was it wasn't even close. If Dan Toporia showed up to the post-fight press conference with sunglasses on, so he's gonna have a couple black eyes. Yeah. His lip was a little swollen. So, like Josh Emmett probably went to the hospital. Right. Like he, the fourth round was bad. Yeah. I'm surprised that they, his corner, you know, his corner. What were you gonna say? You're surprised that they're. I cut you off. You're no, I'm surprised, surprised they let him go off. Like, I'm surprised they let him go out there. He's 38. He's fighting in a main event. He's not going to get his win money. You know, I kind of thought the same thing. And, and, and they were really hyping him up to go get the knockout. And he came out and he was throwing hard and he was overswinging <laughs> mega overswings coming out of, into the beginning of the fifth round. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. The doctor took a look at him after the fourth round, too. Totally. And yeah. they, were, they were looking at him and they're like, are you okay? Do you want to fight? And he goes, yeah. But to your point, they they also were looking at Tafa, who yeah. clearly had like 
no ability to even open his eye. It's like, that was the easiest, that was the easiest, this doesn't continue that I've seen in probably for an eye poke in. I mean, that was like not, you know, I think. Um, it was like when Bilal Muhammad got right. eye poke from Leon and he was like instantly grabbing his eye, like my eye's bad. His, 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 I was wanted, like, they're really trying, and the reason why they were really trying to get him to fight um, was because his opponent, is from used to play um right. for the for jacksonville so which like, what county is that <laughs> <laughs> it always got me confused with key west too like <laughs> duval street and key right. west duval county i mean the original guys um anyway um great fight by those two dudes i could go on and on about this forever um toporia looked great so with that fight after what's next for toporia um i'm thinking arnold allen that's where I'm at. That's where my head's at. Um, do you agree? Disagree? Probably makes the most sense. Uh, I think we should maybe save that and talk about it a little bit more in depth later. Totally. Um, and that'll be part of my second segment. Um, we'll go ahead and move on to Barber and Hibos. Um, we had Macy Barber getting a round two TKO. And dude, Barbara looked great over Hebos here. Um, tell me what you think. She's 25 years old. It was a bloodbath, first of all. I mean, you want to talk about damage. Um, that that was damage. Hebos started off with the pressure, all the feints, going crazy, arms up, juking, the whole thing. Um, and I think all that kind of stopped when uh, Macy hit her with that elbow. When they're up against uh they're in the clinch i now hebus was bleeding before that i don't know what what i didn't see the shot i i tried to rewatch it a couple times i it didn't see the, the shot mm -hmm. but wasn't it prior to that i thought the elbow was in addition to it no that elbow happened like that elbow is just what like broke she was it was yeah it was and um she got real slippery after that. I mean, there was a ton of blood. They went to the ground. I, I don't think she could hold position. He bust took her down. They couldn't hold position. I think in part, we discussed that, I think in part because of all the blood. Uh, and then Barbara got hit in the nose. She started bleeding. And, she, and that, I mean, she's the type where I think that just made her throw harder. You know, a, a switch flipped. I think she started, not that she wasn't throwing hard earlier, but that really kicked her into high gear and she started throwing hard. And then, um, you know, I'll give Hebus credit because um, for as much blood as there was, and obviously for as, as damaged as she was, she kept, she kept the pressure. She kept, she kept go at it. Um, she wasn't broken you know, by it. Neither one of them. She was not broken at all. That's like, a great, that's a great way to put it. Um, but she, I'll tell you what, that head kick sure changed the game. I mean, that was clean. That was that was pretty clean, but Barber Barber's ground and pound. I mean, you know, this is that's nasty, and she does have the mean streak. T people talk about the mean streak. She does have a mean streak, one hundred percent. She definitely wants to ground and pound. She definitely wants to to throw down. She gets. Um, I don't know if it's her. Uh, she just she gets control and then throws down and it was apparent it was major ground strikes she is one of those um female fighters that 
so in in men's MMA, like I would say, in the top fifteen of every men's division, probably excluding heavyweight, I would say twelve of those dudes are pure athletes. Like twelve of those dudes are like true athletes, mm-hmm. and and good technicians and then the other two that are there are surviving by being ultimate technicians Mm -hmm. and those dudes probably aren't fighting for a title um women's mma is not like that women's mma does not have a ton of pure athletes and then you see pure athletes like macy barber that do have like you know athletic explosions you could see that in her clinch you can see her strength you can see her pretty good speed like she is one of those like true athletes at women's mma you mix that with her kind of being like an ego fighter where Mm -hmm. like she wants to get one back and she uses her ego, her mean streak, like you said, and you know, her athletic abilities to just really get shit done. And it does make a difference. Um, But one thing that stood out to me is if you watch any of Macy Barber's previous fights, like, you know, when she, when she knocked out um, Jillian Robertson, like she can be the hammer. She's always shown, but other times, you know, she's shown that she hasn't been the best at being the nail. Um, she also always had problems with her range striking where she would almost have like a leaf blower offense where she's just way too far away from you. Right. Throwing, throwing punches at air, throwing kicks at air with the kios and everything like that. Um, showing it. She's really found her range. Like her, like her, her striking percentage. I would love to, I'm not going to pull this number now. If you're listening to this, pull this number because I bet you the stat is fucking super intriguing. That's my second curse word. I'm sorry. Um, super intriguing. Where if you were to if you were to look at her striking accuracy percentage from this fight and compare it to any of her last three fights, I bet you it's way up. Like she's really found her range. Um, he boss looked big. I, I I took note of this. I was like, man, he boss is definitely. You know, she said she made a statement pre-fight in an interview talking about fighting the bigger girls up up this division from 115 but like she looked just as big as barbara right like he boss did not look to be at a size disadvantage here um she did look to be at a strength disadvantage. she, she looked jack jack i mean i think um you know barbara's physique um her weight distribution she's she definitely is um thicker lower body let's put it that way right and i think in for that ground and pound game her flexibility is incredible too i mean i think at one point she had her leg extended uh, remember he was chasing the leg lock and and that's and an Bar- important part of this fight and that's when barbara was just unleashing and there was another for a period of time and why why i'm mentioning this is like she had her weight back right she was totally in control over her had her leg extended and was just firing off, ripping off shots. I mean, serious ground and pound. Um, and she was able to hold that position maybe when some other woman would have, uh, you know, wouldn't have, frankly. And I, I want to attribute that to her coming out of Team Alpha Male, Uriah Favors team. They have a ton of high-level wrestlers that have that, are, that have good scramble games, number one. A lot of those guys are good scramblers, and they have front head, they have like a lot of front headlock things that they like to do. But they're also really good at top control and ground and pound. Like that's yeah. something that that team is good at. Um, I think to loop back to to Hebos and and I think Hebos has all the tools to win a fight like this. But her striking just seems like 
she has good power when she lands on chicks like she dropped like she's she caused barbara to go staggering back multiple times she busted up barbara's nose she landed good shots Buster. on barbara but her like herky jerkiness she doesn't ever have her hands where they need to be she keeps her head straight up and down she doesn't have he boss is one of those people and other fighters have this issue too where like they don't just get hit like everything hits them hard because they just don't expect it like they're not ready for it yeah he boss gets crushed with everything um and another thing and her problem is all of her he boss has decent like she she out grappled and had better bjj than mackenzie dern in this fight she could not out grapple or out wrestle barber but part of her problem was is all of her takedowns number one come from that front headlock transition type thing you know where she did land two of those on barber she did land two head and arm you know like headlock head and arm throws but you have to get into the clinch to do that and what happened every time she got into the clinch with barber every time got she it. got into the clinch <laughs> barber would frame and fucking crush her with a vicious right. elbow right. that's one of barber's best places is the clinch my all my notes on barber now need to be readjusted because barber never had a distant striking game like she showed tonight is it because of he boss maybe a little bit but like she's always been fucking deadly in the clinch cursed again gosh i need to stop um always would be just punishing in the clinch like she's so good in the clinch and he boss's wrestling game is only upper body clinches so you're just putting yourself into a spot where you're going to take damage you're taking a risk to take damage that's probably unnecessary to get what you want to get off but that's why your nose is busted that's why you're getting crushed with shots um he boss and this was also shown in her marina rodriguez fight whenever she gets hurt she doesn't take the back foot she doesn't circle out she just stays in the same place and tries to get it back and she's not technical enough she's not an Ilya toporia she doesn't have that same like she doesn't have composure under fire she got hit with that head kick and you know what she did planted her feet and tried to get one back and got her bell rung again immediately she took two steps back tried to plant her feet to strike again got clobbered with another shot from Barbara, a big looping hook. And then she tried a desperation, desperation. low single and just got her head blown off for it. Um, he boss should look back at this and realize like, Hey, if I'm going to be shooting on people, I need to be level changing when I'm hurt. I need to be shooting for the hips. I cannot be going for body lock takedowns. Um, and that her diving on that she doesn't have a single leg takedown game he boss like her diving on that was just the same way we see all mma fighters that get that bell rung just dive on the lowest single because they're right on That's, their way yeah. down you know um i i think as far as fights go i mean it ended in the second round but it was a lot of action i thought both women showed uh toughness at times totally. you know they both um I think Hibas came out and and really tried to um, put it on her. And I think Macy, your point about the range is is a great one. And the landing percentage, you know, obviously, I don't know what the stats are on that. But do you think part of that is confidence too? Macy looked way more confident in her striking. Um, in past fights, I've seen her just kind of throw stuff to throw. I'm not saying that, but you know, just. Uh, putting stuff out there, but everything had intention, I think, in this fight, especially when she got uh, touched a little bit. She came back really, you know, with a lot of a uh, couple straight punches that were um, right on the mark. 
I don't mind Hebus's game plan of trying to force Barber on the back foot and just trying to kind of crush her and, and put stuff out there because that's also kind of Hebus's game. Um, but all of the tape up to this point from Barber shown that she might have had issues at range, shown that you could maybe get her on the back foot. This was Barber's like, you know, level up moment for me, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is Barber's level up moment where, like you said, she showed to have a little bit more confidence or willing to sit on her shots. Um, throw kicks, throwing kicks against someone that you know is trying to take you down is always kind of impressive for me. Um, she's 25, dude. Like if she right. makes the the leap that she made from her previous fight up into this fight, you know, if that gap was this big, if she can do that again, make this much of an improvement again, you know, in her next fight, like she will be trending towards, you know, the tops of the division. And what she showed me was she, you know, she looked like someone that can challenge for a title. And I never thought I would say that about Barbara. I was not high on Barbara after her Roxanne Modafferi right. loss and all that stuff. Like I did not expect to have this conversation about her. Wasn't, isn't it exciting, generally speaking, when the odds come out, Hebus was a, a very big favorite. And what isn't taken into account is the improvement that one of the athletes can make in the time between their last fight and their next fight. To me, that's super exciting. You never know. And that's a trajectory that some of these athletes' uh, career paths are on. And I, I think this is an example of it where she showed Macy showed things in this fight that uh, make everybody excited for her next fight and, and where her career is going when maybe they had uh, other ideas prior to it. I know Hebus probably does. I mean. Yeah. Um, my outlook on Macy Barber after this has changed um, pretty dramatically. And again, like co-main event and main event, half of those two fights were people that were 25 and 26 years old. And we're going to move on here in just a second to Brendan Allen, who's another dude that's under the age of 30. Um, Really quick matchmake for, um, for Barber. I think we need to give her another old dog. I'm thinking we need to give her Laura Murphy. That makes sense. That would be a, Ooh. Wow. Um, both are title challengers. Lauren Murphy. That I would like to see that, I think. Sounds good to me. Awesome. All right. So back to the young guns. Dude, <laughs> all the all the people under 30 freaking kicked butt. Um Brendan Allen showed up against Bruno Silva. He is another person that I might have lost some hype on. Like I I was on the train. I fell off the train. He got knocked out twice. And he goes and gets a club and sub over a dude that's arguably more dangerous than Chris Curtis and Sean Strickland, the last two dudes to finish this guy. Club and sub, kicked Bruno's ass, stayed in the pocket with him, got, got hurt, showed resilience, came back, hit him back, crushed him. Quick fight, back and forth. It was a whirling dervish. Um, He fought Bruno Silva's fight and beat him there. And that's what impressed me. What do you think about this? So, Curtis, when you look at Allen's past fights and you look at the losses to uh, Strickland and Curtis, um, you thought striker, 
Silva throwing, throwing hands, power, this, you know, this might be a problem, right? Um, he took his shots. I mean, he got hurt, I think, a little bit, but he took his shots. He looked really composed. He dealt some shots, clearly. And the club and sub, and when he had him on the ground to finish him, nothing was rushed. I mean, they, nothing. you know, nothing was rushed. And then he got him to where he wanted to finish him. And he could probably, you know, he knew, but it was just, that's where the experience at, what, 28 years old, um, to have that much experience and that much kind of poise in that moment, um, nothing seemed uh, a surprise to, to him in this fight. It, to me, it went kind of how he would have predicted it, maybe minus a couple of the shots that he took, you know, how he would have, he would have uh, seen the fight going. It was on his terms, I would say. Uh, the fight went down on his terms, and it was really impressive. And I think he he's worthy, you know, because of the age. Experience is a big thing. Um, being in these situations and uh, learning from past experience and stuff like that, uh, it's really a big deal. And to like you know, like I mentioned, to win a fight seemingly on his terms, I think is is uh, is really impressive. I mean, this dude has fought like everybody. He's fought literally everybody. Lost to Eric Anders back in 2017. He was super young then. This was an LFA. He, he fought an LFA. You know, lost to Fluffy Hernandez. That's another loss against a, a guy that's good. We all know that. But if you if you look through his record, like Aaron Jeffrey on the Contender Series, he beat Kevin Holland. He submitted Kevin Holland. That was in mm-hmm. 2019. Tom mm-hmm. Breeze, Kyle Dawkins. Then he got knocked out by Sean Strickland. Okay, cool. Came back, beat Carl Roberson. Um, if you haven't heard about Carl Roberson, anyone should just Google his recent charges that he was just arrested for. Absolutely crazy. Uh, moving on, he beat Punale Soriano, got knocked out by Chris Curtis, beat Sam Alvey. That's Sam Alvey. Um, close fight with, with Jacob Malkoon, beat Jocko. This is where he really showed everyone when he submitted Andre Muniz. This is a dude that broke Jocko Ray's arm. Right. We thought Andre Muniz was going to be the one that would squeeze Israel Adesanya's head off. He was incredible up until he fought Brendan Allen, and then he yep. lost uh, by submission, right? Yep. Rear naked choke, another one. Of, uh, <laughs> I Brendan mean, Allen, rear naked chokes everyone. He beat, him at, he beat him at his own game. Yep. And he did the same thing to Bruno Silva. In his last two fights, right. he beat dudes in places that they're, that they're the best at. He beat one of the best grapplers in the division, squeezes his freaking head off. I'm not going to call Bruno Silva one of the one of the best strikers in the division. However, I'm going to call him one of the best brawlers in the division, probably, and one of the best power punchers. Um, Bruno Silva took every single shot from Alex Pereira and went three rounds with Alex Pereira on Alex Pereira's, you know, fast rise up to the title. Um, <laughs> this fight, man, if you're a young MMA fighter and you have a skill set and you really want to hone your skills, like. Sanford MMA, dude, they have really built Brendan Allen into a killer. Um, his composure in the pocket, he, if you look at even the Sean Strickland flight, Sean Strickland fight, sorry, um, he was kind of getting his bell rung, you know, nervous in the pocket, definitely didn't know how to react. That's all changed. It's all changed. Like, his composure there, man, when a guy like Bruno Silva is just raining shots on you to be able to counter, hurt him, show the composure on the ground, get the club in sub, 
Um, is Bruno Silva in the rankings for um, most body change after you saw it as involved in your career? Maybe. Um, but like his body has changed in a weird way, but he's still got the power. Bruno Silva's coming off of a vicious knockout, you know? And man, Brendan Allen, he, he looked. Let me great. ask you a question. What's sure. his, what's his ceiling? What is Brendan Allen's ceiling? I mean, he's coming off a impressive win. Um, but what do you think there's that division in particular, you know, we've talked about this before, but that division, it's a little bit, it's a little bit stale is he's beaten, you know, everybody literally, literally, um, and is that good for him? Is he ready? Is, is he, uh, I'm not saying is he ready for a title challenge, but what's the next step? Cannoneer also just apparent. I'm not, I'm not going to say reinvented himself, but he looked incredible. He put in the, yeah. foot in the door that he, we thought was closing. He's a different fighter than he was when he fought Izzy the first time. And he made that the thought of that, the prospect of that more interesting than it was prior to his last fight. I'll say that. Um, but what do you think? What do you think is the next? It, if you look up the, if you, he's ranked um, 13 in the division and he fought outside of the rankings, but Andre Muniz was ranked prior to that. I think. I think the, Muniz was nine, wasn't he? Um, right two. now, Muniz is 14. I don't recall what he was at the time, but he was, you know, between 10 and 15, we'll say. Um, the, the first few people that are above him are like Nasruddin Imovov, um, mm-hmm. Nasruddin you know, who just had that weird fight with Chris Curtis, uh, Kelvin Gastelum is ahead of him, Jack Hermanson, and then number nine and eight are Roman Delize and Derek Brunson. Sean Strickland already knocked him out. I don't think they're going to run that one back. Chris Curtis is ranked 15. So he's behind him. He's the one that knocked him out. Um, prior. Just got to get someone after Strickland and. Yeah, probably something. I'm thinking like a fight with Jack Hermanson or Roman Delize is a good fight for him. That's getting him, you know, shot up a good four or five spots in the rankings. And if he can beat Roman Delize, like that Roman would be Delize, a killer. I would tune in for that. Roman Delize is an amazing grappler and a power puncher. That would be a huge test for Brendan Allen. And Roman Delize is huge. Um, I'm going to go with Roman Delize. What do you think? Is that, is that what you do with him next? I'd tune in for that. So what is that? Is that a, um, is that a fight night main event? Dude, make or... it a fight night main event. He is that a fight it. night main event? Five, a five rounder? Yeah, but they should do it like, probably do it like in the apex or some shit. He was calling for a fight in Louisiana. He's like, bring me home. The only person that gets some more tickets here than me is Dustin Poirier. Um, so <laughs> I don't think the UFC is going to Louisiana, but maybe throw him on a Texas card. Um, he's fought a lot in the LFA. Throw him on a Texas card, make him a co-main event in a, in front of a live you know audience there on a fight night, or put him put him in their main event. When was the last time the main. UFC was in New Orleans? I can't even recall, man. I mean, just saying. Yeah, do it in New Orleans. That'd be great. Um, okay, we're gonna move on to the next segment of the show. Um, this segment is called What's Hot. We're going to talk about uh, one hot topic. We're going to leave it kind of short. One hot topic in MMA going on right now. That is um, the future of the featherweight division. Um, and 
reason why I want to talk about this is because of Ilya Toporia. He looked, um, he looked great. And the future of featherweight is kind of obscure with how many title defenses um, Volkanovski has. And what do you think is going to happen next? Like, what can, is... I, can I pose it in this man? I'm going to kick it back to you. Can we Volk wins or Yair wins? Does that have an impact on it? it? I think it most definitely does. And if it does, what do you think are the next? Uh, who's next in line? You have to automatically assume that if Yair Rodriguez beats Volk, Instant, instant rematch. Instant rematch. And I would not be surprised if Yair beats Volk. What are the early odds on that? Um, I don't know. Um, Sorry. To... I have, I have no know. idea. I'm, I'm going to assume that Volk is probably like a two-to-one favorite. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Yair beat Volk. I, I, I do favor Volk in that fight, but Yair is so dangerous. More than likely, Volk wins. Whatever. Say Volk wins. He's probably going to go up to 155 at that point and, and try to maybe challenge Islam if Islam's got the belt. He's also talking about the BMF belt. He likes those guys. He likes to fight with those guys, too. Um, and then at that point, you know, the future of featherweight gets kind of weird. This was a division that, you know, this division is sandwiched between the two best divisions in MMA. And I'm going to put featherweight as the third best division with probably bantamweight number one, lightweight number two, um, featherweight being number three. But guys like Ilya Toporia, Mosar Evloev, even Bryce Mitchell are, you know, definitely reinvigorating this division just, just in total. Um, incredible. Just incredible performance from Toporia, which really inserts him into this like freaking big time um i would see i could see him um fighting for an interim title maybe against the winner of max holloway and zombie do you think um do you think holloway volkanowski four is something that's to be avoided by the ufc Probably if you're smart. But at the same time, you know, if Holloway refuses to move up and continues to win fights over and over again, and Volkanovsky continues to win fights over and over again, you know, you have no choice unless the UFC says, hey, we'll pay you to go away. Right. Because um, Taporia Holloway stylistically after oh. last night's fight would be something be something of beauty to watch it i think yeah it would be something to behold i you know and we we picked earlier we both picked arnold allen as you know the next fight for toporia i think that makes the most sense um just because you know him fighting for a title the title fight's already made it's coming up really soon there's going to be time off between that you know if if yair does win they're going to be trying to probably make him fight in mexico or you know somewhere like that so there's going to be a while Toporia probably shouldn't wait. That's why I think Arnold Allen's a good fight. And then if he beats Arnold Allen, there, you know, that's kind of set in stone. Then he pretty much deserves it, in my opinion, even though Arnold Allen will be coming up off a loss. That's another, you know, big win against a big guy that's good. Um 
When does Ortega do back? And that's I a. I know he's part of the picture, but. Seems like a big uh, welcome back. He's like fight. a once a year guy, you know. And well, the ti- the timing with Arnold Allen and Taporia is is pretty good. Yeah, um, it's been a little while since his loss to Max Arnold Allen, um, and I just don't know. I know Ortega's part of the picture, and I know you have to count him as part of the picture. But like, I'm not matchmaking for him, right? Like, I don't know where he's at. Like, I don't think it would be. I don't think after that injury, it would be fair to. Plus, he lost to both Volk and Yair, so yep. it's not like he's um, he's in the mix. And he's, even, like, sorry to cut you off, but even his fight with Yair, like, he was kind of getting his ass kicked up until that injury. That injury kind of seemed almost like a blessing. It was a very short, you know, very little taste of it, but yeah, he kind of got his ass kicked, you know? Like, he, he wasn't... He, he also almost choked out Volk, didn't he? Yeah, but I mean, he almost had him. He almost had him. I'm just saying, in fairness, say about almost. (laughs) Hey, right. The way he almost had Volk was the same way Armin Sarukian was almost knocked out by Joaquin Silva. Where, like, (laughs) you know, he he lost 99% of that fight, besides the one, you know, Volk getting right, fair, you know, fair. Um, So I'm not matchmaking for Otega, man. Um, Zombies already had his bludgeoning by by Volk. Max coming kind of had a recent bludgeoning from Volk too. Um, I think I Max don't know just if- styled though. My, I mean, yeah, he just beat Arnold Allen. Max and Taporio would be. I mean, He's eventually, out yeah. stylistically, it would down the road. But would that happen? How would that happen? Would that happen if Volk wins? I think it would happen if Volk goes and makes a run at 155. What if Yair wins? If Yair wins, then there's a rematch between Volk and Yair. Okay. And then so if there's... Yair wins again, then, you know, that's, that's, this is the years, you know, this is years down the road. And we're probably looking towards the end of Volkanovsky's career at that point because he's not a young guy anyway, you know? Um, yeah, this division's looking bright, man. Uh, what a surge of just electricity and excitement for um, for the division. What do you think? It's super exciting. It, and again, it's nice to see um, challengers emerge. Totally, man. And, and just look that good and be that polished. And it's impressive and it's inspiring. 26 years old. Right. All right, guys, moving on to the final segment of the show. In with the new, we're going to go over some fights on the upcoming weekend. Um, that is fight night card. Sean Strickland versus Abus Magomedov. And the first fight I want to start off with is Kevin Lee making his return to the UFC versus Renat Fakhardinov. Um, quick odds on that fight. We have uh, Renat at just under a 2-1 to favorite, minus 190. And Lee is at plus 185. Um Tell me your thoughts on the fight, Greg. Tell me who you like, and maybe just give me a little bit more information on this kind of matchup. I like Fakhardinov. Um, the guy knows how to win. I think he's coming off a uh, big win streak. Do you know how many in a row he's had? I mean, he's he's got a big win streak. Streak. He knows how to win, and 
I think the UFC sees his career trajectory, right? And they're putting him against Kevin Lee uh, to see really what he's got. And um, I like him in this. I like him in the matchup. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what Kevin Lee brings. But I think Renat um, Renat is set up uh, to have a big a big win here. Man, this guy's on. He hasn't lost a fight since June 5th of 2013. So he hasn't lost a fight <laughs> in 10 years. <laughs> in 10 years. Um, he is, quite frankly, on an effing rampage. Yeah. And he's, you know, a lot of this is Russian promotion stuff, and you could probably pick and poke at his his previous fighters. He's got one fight in UAE, UAE Warriors, um, and then, you know, has made a debut debuted back in June 4th of 2022 against Andres Mikalidis. And then in his most recent fight, that was December of December 17th, 2022, where he defeated the ultimate fighter champion, Brian battle. Um, this dude, Renat can kind of do it all. He's got, you know, lots of TKO punches wins, but most of his stuff, he's, he's a grappling specialist. Um, one of those big Russian bear dudes, typically that's his game wants to get on top of you, wants to control you, wants to do damage. Um, and he's a big dude for this division. Uh, Kevin Lee coming back to the UFC after a small stint. Um, we talked about Eagles, Eagle FC, and that's where that's where his last fight was. Um, EFC against Diego Sanchez. That was a March 11th of 2022. He had an injury. He got injured right away, injured his knee. So he's coming back off a knee injury. Prior to that, he lost a decision about 170 against D-Rod, unanimous decision. That was in 2021, so he had about a year in between those two fights. And then prior to that was the very first card during the COVID era where he lost to Charles Oliveira, where he tapped to the submission, submission got released, and then he said, I didn't tap. Um, and that was part of Charles Oliveira's win streak up through 155. Um, you look at Kevin Lee's record, man, and he's fought everyone. Losses to RDA, two losses to Ally Quinta. He's beaten Edson Barbosa, which that's a good win. You know, rear naked choke, Michael Chiesa. That was back in 2017. Good wins over guys like Magomed Mustafaev, Jake Matthews, Francisco Trinaldo. Tons of good wins. But also some pretty bad losses. Um, you know, his his loss to Tony Ferguson, that was back in 2017. He had tons of success in that fight. A lot of success on top, however. Still got caught in that triangle from bottom. Um, Kevin Lee's biggest moment of his career so far was that violent head kick over Gregor Gillespie. Um, I could see him having success on the feet with Fakhardinov. Mm -hmm. Um, but like you said, it kind of seems like, kind of seems like Kevin Lee is being brought back and fed to Fakhardinov in a way. Again, Fakhardinov hasn't lost a fight in 10 years. Um, I think what Kevin Lee likes to do to people to be a topside wrestler um, is what Fakhardinov does better than him. And it's mm -hmm. kind of one of those things, whatever you can do, I can do better. I would say Kevin Lee is probably the superior striker here. Um, he's, Kevin Lee does have good power. Um, his problem is he gasses too. Kevin Lee has gas in the past. Um, you know, he, he loves to get back control. He loves that back triangle game. But even when he had a smaller guy like Ally Aquinta in that position, he couldn't finish Al. Credits to Al also in that moment. But, man, I just see Fakhardinov being too big, too strong, imposing his will, breaking Kevin Lee, 
when Kevin Lee gets tired, he makes mistakes. Look at the Charles Oliveira fight. Um, I could see Fakhardinov getting like a third round TKO finish. I think that's why it's a good fight. And I think that's why it's a good test if you want to take it to the Fakhardinov side, right? Yeah. Because the, the striking is going to be tested to some degree and he's got wrestling credentials. This isn't a specialist, you know? He's a well-rounded fighter. Um, and I think that's what Fakhardinov will be, um, you know, Fakhardinov will have to face. And that's exactly why I think it's a, it'll be interesting. I don't, I mean, Fakhardinov, I think, um, I don't think gassing is an issue with him. No, he and held I tough think, through his last fight with Brian Battle. Right. Has and, held tough many times before. Um, and up through up until the UFC, he's been a finisher. And I mean, look he, at Brian Battle. Look at Brian Battle's last couple fights. He crushed Takashi Sato before he lost to Renat. And then now look again, he just destroyed Gabe Green. Like Brian Battle's actually kind of good. And I think they were that was an interesting uh, matchup when they put Fakhardinov against Battle, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, it, it's just interesting. We talked, we spoke about this earlier. You know um, that particular matchup and what the outcome might mean and what the outcome might be. Yeah, this is one of those um, tests, man. Where you know you're you're going to bring back a UFC vet and. Put him up against the the you know the Russian battle axe, the dude that's a warhammer, the dude that's crushed many dudes. Can Kevin Lee you know keep himself out of the fire, or will Kevin Lee lose? Um, I'm excited for this one. That's why I chose one of these, the, you know, this to be one of the three fights. I'm also on um, Renat Fakhardinov minus one ninety. We're recording this on Sunday, June twenty fifth. Um, Watch that line probably get juiced a bit. And we grab, you know, you you provided these lines to me, so thank you. Um, and you grab the best line for each person here. So this is probably, I mean, and that was two hours ago. This might have already gotten juiced. Um, by the time you guys listen to this on Tuesday, um, well, I'm, I'm, I bet by Friday this is going to be up to at least like minus, um, minus 240. Kevin Lee is coming back at plus 185. If you like Lee in this fight, my suggestion is to just hold off and wait until Friday because I don't think that I, I just less than two to one under two to one favorite dog. God, two to one favorite spot for Hanat Fakhardinov. I like that as a place for him. Um, moving on to the next fight, we have Demir Ismagulov versus Grant Dawson. Demir Ismagulov is a minus one twenty five right around there, and you got Dawson coming back at plus one twenty. Um, tell me what you think about this one, man. This is a big test for Dawson. My concerns are with Isma Gulov from the standpoint of his announced retirement for a medical condition, which apparently is not an issue because he's fighting. That's the, that's the first concern. The guy was on a 19 fight win streak before he lost to Armin. I mean, that is a run. He might've had a, there might've been an understandably, understandably so, uh, psychological ramifications of that loss. You know, you don't win 19 fights and lose one and wake up the next day and feel the same. So, you know, I want to see how he bounces back. But the Sarukian fight with the takedowns, I felt like a lot of that fight, he was almost in a stalemate. He His takedown defense is pretty good. You can't really say that with the amount of times that he got taken down. 
but there's a lot, but he showed decent takedown defense and he didn't get finished. Now, I think Grant Dawson is going to try to bring the same game. I mean, that guy shoots. He's going to shoot. He's going to keep shooting. Um, when he fought, when he fought uh, Madsen, the calf kicks that that guy was throwing was incredible. And, and his striking looked okay, and he was throwing everything with force. I think um, – but Ismagulov lost to Armin Sarukian, who is on the fast track right now. Who's and, very, very good. And I think Ismagulov was – I mean, the guy was virtually untouchable before this. He's seen guys that are, are wrestlers or wrestler heavy. Um, is, you know, I don't want to put them side by side, but is Grant Dawson as good as Armin Sarukian? Who knows, right? Especially from a takedown standpoint. But I think um, at this point in their careers, I feel like even though Grant Dawson has relentless takedowns, um, you know, his, his stand-up game or, you know, his stand-up game has shown signs, especially with like the calf kicks and, and some of the striking and the Madsen fight. I think um, I think Ismagulov is an all-around better fighter, and I I can't imagine him not coming out of this. It might be a decision, you know. I don't think he's he's much of a finisher, but I think he can defend some of the takedowns, and I think he's a, a much better striker on the feet. That's my take on it right now. I think it's going to be a very good fight, um, and I think one thing that we talked about earlier is. Ismagulov got taken down a lot. He's made adjustments. Grant Dawson's camp has looked at what worked for Armin, and, you know, they want to build on that. The same way that Ismagulov is looking at that and making adjustments. So um, we'll see. But um, one thing to take into consideration is Grant Dawson is at American Top Team, and that is also where Armin Sarukian fought his last fight. So there's no better camp to get a game plan for Demir Ismagulov than American top team right now. American top team were the ones that, you know, solved the puzzle. Um, for right. Demir Ismagulov, he, like, prior to his loss against Armin Sarukian, he beat Grom Kutataladze, beat Rafael Alves. Rafael Alves is a super athlete. Does he make mistakes? Yes. Does he come from a pretty good camp? Also, yes. Prior to that, Tiago Moises, Joel Alvarez, like this dude's got great wins. Um, prior to the UFC, he you know he was the king of like 160 pounds over at M1 Global because he you know always fought at catch weights. Weird, weird situation for him there. But Demiris Magulov is good. He generally has good takedown defense, good scrambling. Um, he's got a great jab. He's a really technically sound boxer. Both of these guys have great careers. Demiris Magulov is 24 and two. Grant Dawson is 19 one and one. That one. That second one, not a loss, was a draw against Ricky Glenn, where he kind of gassed out, started getting beat up a little bit. That was October 23rd of 21. Um, since then, he has choked out RNC Jared Gordon. That's a pretty good win. And then kind of out-wrestled and beat up Marco Madsen, rear naked choke there. Um, he's also got good wins. You know, he knocked out Leonardo Santos after kind of losing that fight. You know, had some trouble making weight at 45, has since definitely moved up. Demirs Mugulov is going to be the bigger guy. Um, I'm also leaning Demirs Mugulov. I think he has the ability to keep the fight on the feet, even if Grant Dawson has great BJJ. He's good on top. He's definitely, and he's a big dude too. 
That's why he missed weight at 45 so much. He's definitely filled out into that lightweight frame. Again, though, I think Demir's Magulov will be able to defend some takedowns, put a jab in his face, hit him with some shots. If he can keep this fight on the feet for three rounds and not lose one on the ground, he's going to win this fight. I like Demir in this one. I actually like the line for him, too. He's not a giant favorite. This is one to watch. I do agree with you, however, that retirement talk does make me feel a little bit weird. I mm-hmm. think it was more of a mental thing where he felt defeated by the younger guy. Don't mm-hmm. know what there was rumors of a health issue. I don't know the health issue. It's never come out. Um, if you guys know what it is, please comment below. If you're on YouTube, let me know or shoot me a DM or whatever. If you guys know what the health issue was, I couldn't figure out, couldn't find it anywhere. Um, great fight there. Awesome fight. We're going to move on to the main event, man. Um, main event is Sean Strickland versus Abuspian Magomedov. Um, Sean Strickland comes in at a minus 165 favorite. Abus, you can get him back at plus 150. I'm going to take the reins on this one. I'm going to go first. Um, Abuspian is a guy that has had a lot of success outside of the UFC. Um, fought for PFL for quite a while. Um, took a long break. Took about two years off, um, fought for the PFL, fought for the million bucks, got knocked out by Lewis Taylor. Lewis Taylor, if you guys don't know who that is, that's actually Bilal Muhammad's head coach. Um, they're really, really good friends. Got knocked out by Lewis Taylor. That was back in 2018. Since then, he's on a three-fight win streak. Um, two of his fights before his most recent fight were outside of the UFC. Um, Submission Kimura versus Stavis not going to pronounce his last name that was an emc3 and then he had a nice one in ksw technical submission guillotine choke choke his opponent out to sleep then showed up about just under two years later and ran through dustin soul's foots in 19 seconds kicked him in the face like vitor got kicked by (laughs) silva um poor vitor um kicked him in the face ran him down hit him with a bunch of shots one thing I noticed about Abus since, you know, his his time away, he's fought down at 170. He's come back and he looks big. Yeah. He looks a lot bigger now. He's definitely fast. He's definitely a hard puncher. But he is not the typical Russian MMA fighter. He wants to strike. He has good wins. Like, in 2018, before he lost to Lewis Taylor, he beat uh, Sadi who is was the PFL Last season's champion, just had a crazy spinning wheel kick knockout. He's got good wins on his record. Um, Moving on to Sean Strickland. Everybody knows who Sean Strickland is at this point. We know what we're getting. Um, Sean Strickland has fought a lot of good dudes, a lot of good dudes in this division. I mean, he was on a hell of a run um, before he lost to Alex Pajera, beat Jack Hermanson, beat Uriah Hall, beat Yako, knocked out Brendan Allen. Then he lost to Alex Pereira. And then he had a very close fight with Jared Cannonier that I think he won. And then he went out there and beat Nasruddin Imamov on short notice up a division. Um, Nasruddin was also a 185er, but they agreed to a catchweight bout. Um, they agreed to fight one weight division up because Sean Strickland came in on short notice. Sean Strickland is a weird guy. No one fights like Sean Strickland. Very herky-jerky. A lot of weird head movement, a lot of parrying with his hands. You can tell that he is a dude that has kind of built his own MMA game, and you can tell he spars a lot. That is Sean Strickland's training. 70% of it is hard sparring. Um, 
He's a dude that doesn't melt under pressure. He's a dude that will combination punch. He has good footwork. Doesn't have a ton of power, but I also don't think he sits on shots a lot. Um, and he hung in there with Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier has a freaking hammer. He can he kills people. Alex Pajara knocked him out, but Alex Pajara does that. Um, this is a big step up for Abus. This is going to be probably his his highest profile fight of his career. Um, and the reason why I think the UFC is putting this together is because they need some new blood up at middleweight. Um, I'm not going to give my pick yet because I want to hear your take on this. Um, but Sean Strickland's a hard fighter to beat. And this is a big test for Abus. What do you think technically? Who do you think is going to win this fight? Um, again, Abus is a plus 150 underdog. Sean Strickland is a minus 165 favorite. I think Abus is more dangerous. Okay. But I don't see him as dominant, like in his run. Uh, the Sadabu fight, for instance, that was a decision, right? Then he lost that championship. Was that 2019? 18. And he got blasted, too. He got knocked out early by Lewis Murphy. Um, I just think, uh, I think Strickland is a tough beat. I mean, Strickland is, has fought the best of the best and he does have his own, he does have his own game. He's hard to hit. I mean, Pajara knocked him out with the left hook, but he's a hard hitter. And, um, you know, More than that. that's, that's an, that's an understatement, yeah. right? But so I think that uh, Magomedov's camp is going to obviously look for that for that left left hook. But uh, Imavov was I mean, they saw the same they saw the same fight and that was on short notice. And and Strickland fared well in that bout. I mean, he he pretty he much uh, round, but everything else he had. He won most he, of the exchanges. I... He had it going and he came out of that cannoneer fight with. Uh, you know, kind of reinvigorated, right? He's, yeah. He said even, you know, he wants to he wants to put on a show. He wants to go for it a little bit. And I think he showed that. Uh, I would be surprised. Well, the one the one question there that I throw back to you is that was at 205, right? He's never had issues making 185, though. And Sean Strickland move, is, has moved up from 170. Um, I think... Um, I think Sean Strickland's probably going to win this fight. Yeah. If Abus can't just go out there, get him, Abus has to do what he did to Stoltzfus. 100%. To, to Strickland, and that's going to be way harder to do to Strickland. He has to do what Pereira did to him. He has to just go out there, hit him with something big, and hurt him and finish him right away. Um, Devin, can it, I ask you a question? Sorry sure. to interject. Um, Taporia, when you rattled off you know, what Taporia had done prior to you know, coming to the UFC or whatever. It was like round one, round one, round two, round, you know, it was early, early rounds. He, he did not, uh, he was not in long battles. Uh, Abus, I feel like, um, you know, he's got, he's not dominant, a dominant finisher, let's say that. Okay. And I think with Strickland, if you're fighting a fight to go to decision, it's Strickland's, you, you got to pick Strickland. That's his game. Yeah, and he Abus has been a finisher, you know, but it's not against the best guys. Like, you know, yeah, he he he, you know, has two knockouts right away in the PFL. KO punches round one, TKO front kick. 
He likes the front kick. That is one thing that Strickland does have to watch out for. Um, he really likes a front kick, and Abus is good good with that front kick. Um, I, just, I just see Strickland, quite frankly, just being a little bit too weird of a matchup for him, where Abus may find success, but he may find success like after he's lost three rounds in a row. One, two, and three. He might find success in the fourth round. Catch Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland did get a little bit tired in his short notice fight against Imabov, but again, he fought up a weight class. He's not used to fighting. I mean, he was riding dirt bikes and shit like days before that fight was made. Um, and he just literally got up off the couch and fought Imabov. Weird question. Any chance that this goes to the ground? Um, I think. If it goes to the ground, either Abus clubs and subs Strickland or Strickland wants it to go there. I don't think um, Abus will try to press a wrestling game against Strickland because Strickland actually does have good BJJ and good grappling. Not the best takedowns, but once it's there, he's pretty good. But I could just see Strickland weathering a storm in the first two and a half minutes of the first round, finding his footing, landing his shots, staying semi-defensively sound. And he's a big, like, head game fighter where, you know, he'll say some things in between rounds. And I think this is going to kind of look like his fight against Uriah Hall. Uriah mm -hmm. Hall is another dangerous, explosive dude with, like, a good kicking game. And uh, Strick Strickland lumped Uriah Hall up, hurt him multiple times, was actually sitting down on his shots. Abus takes risks with his striking, and that leaves him open. And... I could just see Strickland getting on the front foot, pushing him against the cage. I think that's going to be his game plan. Hit him a volume, keep him against the cage, swing and cling, make it dirty, get in close, clinch him up against the cage, break off, hit him on the brakes, hit him. I think it's going to be a very like foot on the gas type performance and just right. try to drown out the explosive athlete, the explosive striker. Um, I really think it's going to look super similar to the Raya Hall fight. Um, I am taking all chalk on these three fights unfortunately Whoa. all three favorites none of them are big favorites though but i like sean strickland in this fight i just think he's gonna be really foot on the gas i think that's the game plan that he's gonna you know show up here with when i started like when i looked at this matchup i i honestly i was on magomedov and um just for the reasons for the matchup i thought it was uh interesting that they put him against strickland right that made me that made me more interested in Magomedov, just the fact that they they made this matchup. But the more that I that I researched it and I watched the tape, I felt like uh, leaning towards Strickland, and um, I definitely think that's where I'm going to go with it. Awesome, man! So For we sure. got. I think we agreed on every single fight. Um, not too much to, to argue about, unfortunately, for the people that are listening. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed the show, man. That's it. I really happy that you're able to join me thank you so much hopefully you'll be back here again with me hopefully we'll see you again any last words before we end things i'm just looking forward to the fights and uh it's fun coming off this last uh this last card and hoping for another good one awesome thanks everyone tuning in again this is check the kick podcast if you have anything to say any questions hit me up on the comments below on youtube i will respond Thank you again, Greg, and I hope you guys enjoy the fights. Thanks.